Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rufu Shalema, for Eliezer Raphael Leib Benemuna, and also for Sarah Bed Batrus. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I'm very happy to have on today's show, Rebbitzin Yael Kaysman. Yael is a teacher, lecturer, and life coach. She's been teaching for 45 years at Berurria High School for Girls in Elizabeth, New Jersey. She's also a senior lecturer at Sinai Retreats and also at Heritage Retreats. Yael is known for her ability to explain complex Jewish philosophical ideas. She combines humor with warmth and wit to captivate audiences of all backgrounds and levels of Jewish knowledge. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Thank you, Vera. First of all, I'm awed by what you're, you do and just finding a way to just contribute to other people's lives is something that's so what we all want to be able to do. So I feel blessed that the opportunities I've had to contribute, that's really what it is. And it's opportunities, right? Sometimes they come our way, sometimes we create them. And it's a real privilege that I've been able to teach, you know, since I was about two. No, I'm only kidding. Okay, you know, but, but I've been really, I come from a family of educators where teaching was, was, Wow, the luckiest thing you could do was to teach and um, to impact other people's lives. So my parents are really my inspiration. My father was a Rebbe in Yeshiva University for many, many years and then Landor College, you know, until 85. And he's, thank God, living and struggling, but very much, very much has been my inspiration for the joys of teaching Torah, as has been my mother. And um, I... um, and blessed with being a mother of eight children, many grandchildren at this point. And, um, and I teach not only in Peoria High School, I teach in, I don't wanna diminish all the places that I teach in Base Yaakov Durant Mayor High School in Brooklyn. And I teach in a seminary in Lakewood called Benos Chaim. And I've taught in various other schools. It's been wonderful, the whole spectrum, you know, from the modern Orthodox spectrum to the Hasidic spectrum. So it's wonderful. Sometimes I have to remember to say things a little bit differently. Like I say, like, you know, when you're on a date, know a show, a different version in the, you know, so we, we try to switch those things, but it's wonderful to see all of Klal Yisrael, all of the Jewish people doing so many good things. And I really am blessed, which I just came back from, to really be part of programs of, of outreach programs for Jewish students. Uh, many years ago, I taught in Neveh Yerushalayim and, and I get to see, spend some time with Rabbi Refson from Neveh Yerushalayim in the summer retreats where we teach students, college students, post-college students. It's very, very exciting. And more recently, I've started to a life coaching practice as my children were grown up and I have time in the evenings and I can, you know, fill in those moments at five o'clock and seven o'clock and all the times that I have. And it's very exciting to be able to, to uh, um, help people. But I have to say, that's like a list of things that are opportunities for me to do things. But the truth is mostly I do what everybody else does. I, I work on myself. Right. I notice, right. Whether people realize they do it or not, we're always noticing like, you know, was I a little more patient? Could I be a little, in my case, less intimidating? Can I go ahead and and deal with frustration better? And whatever different personal attributes that people may work on, that's really what I do all day. I happen to do it in different venues. And I find that when I, and those, some of those venues, you know, when I'm doing laundry, it's not quite as exciting, but it takes those me dose too. Like, am I going to see it as a loving act or 
just a burden, right? You know, and am I going to see it like that? So that's really, really what I do. And I think, and really I do the same thing as everybody else does. And I just am blessed with some of the opportunities that are very exciting. And, um, but the real stuff is what I do that everybody else does. That's so wonderful. I so identify with everything that you just said about, you know, working on yourself. I, I do it too. And it's, it's a struggle and it really is work. It really, really is. It's that internal work that we're all doing, you know, every single day to try to be a little bit more patient, a little kinder, you know, a little friendlier, like, you know, a little more giving it's yeah, it's work. That's what we do all day. Yeah. That's really what we do all day. You I'm know, kidding. sometimes we get distracted because we have to do this task that has to get done, but even the way we do that task, you know, the, the intensity, the, if it's good for us, the intensity, or it's not good for us, the intensity, paying attention to that balance for the per- person who needs to be more intense, for the person who needs to be more chilled in order to have some kasachayim and a certain kind of nefesh, okay, a certain kind of inner peace. We're, we're always kind of conscious of it. I'd say, I guess it depends what level the consciousness is. And I just find that when you are more focused in it, on it, it's, it's, it's very, as long as you're not obsessively focused on it, but if you're focused on it in a general way, then every day has a certain joy to it because something's happening and opportunities are there. Even as so many people sometimes wish they had opportunities. You know, when I was growing up, I wanted to teach and I wanted to go into Kiruv. Now, I didn't know how that was going to happen. So the teaching was a little easier. I could apply to it, you know, apply for it. Kiruv, it's not so easy. Like, where do you get yourself in? And it just, I feel you know, it's sometimes it's so frustrating to me that people, wow, think you're great because of it. I'm not great because of it. I'm really privileged and, and, and blessed because of it. And we'll talk about what makes for greatness within that. But it was really one summer, somebody called me up this famous program called Moodis, which is now called Sinai. Oh, they need a substitute teacher. Will you come to Connecticut? I go, sounds so exciting, you know, and I went with my children and we discovered a world where I really got to spend a few weeks of summer in different venues with my children, which was the greatest thing for me because my children had the opportunity because I, I grew up in a world where I was much more interconnected with a lot of people at different levels of religiosity. So I kind of had to own my religiosity. Growing up in Lakewood, I was a little concerned that my children, how are they gonna own their religiosity? Ultimately, we want everybody to, be a Torah Jew because yes, they may have gotten it from their family if they were lucky, fortunate, but ultimately because they believe it's true. So for my children being around these outreach programs was one of the most biggest gifts my family got because they kind of watched people choose it and they thought about it and they would watch people and they would kind of celebrate in their little way, like, ooh, she's a little more modest today because she learned about modesty, you know? You know, didn't always work that way, but that's how <laughs> my little kids saw it. But it was just like, and they would just, wow. And they would say to them, you're so fortunate that you grew up with this. And they would say, really? I didn't know about that. I guess I'm fortunate. I didn't think about it. And it really made a tremendous impact. So of course, with many things that we give, I received much more and continue to receive much more. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's so funny that you mentioned Moody's because my, my husband was on that program years, like a gazillion years ago. Ah, he was right. Well, program. you know, right. <laughs> Uh, it was a, an amazing program, and it continues to be at Sinai and a and a kind of child of it at at Heritage because the person who runs Heritage was a Talmud, a student of Rabbi Rosenberg who ran Moodis, and he started about the program. So they're all connected to to the desires of Rabbi Rosenberg, Olav Sholem, and his wonderful wife who really created this incredible program. 
Very it was nice. like it was like moving into a Jewish community instead yes, of yes. just learning Kirov, you know. So it was just very wonderful. Yes. And so today, today we're going to talk about a topic that I really think is going to hit home for many people. I really do. We're going to discuss internal success versus external success. So in this age of social media, many of us associate success with positive outcomes and praise. You know, if we put in a significant amount of effort into something, whether it's starting a business or losing weight or really anything, and we succeed, people congratulate us. They give us accolades. They tell us how amazing and how wonderful we are. This is external praise because it's coming from the outside to us. It's coming from other people to us. But what happens when we put in a tremendous amount of effort into something? It could also be starting a business. It could also be losing weight. We could spend endless nights doing something, staying up late, spending a lot of money on something. And what if we fail? What if the outcome is not what we really, really worked hard for it to be? What if we fail? We're not going to get that positive feedback from others. Nobody's going to tell us we're amazing for failing. You know, that's just not going to happen. So then, you know, in that case, what happens to our sense of self-worth, our sense of self-value? I mean, where are we in all of this? So I want to see if you can please talk to us about what it means to truly love yourself and value yourself. It's really... We're, we started the interview right at the beginning, but I tried to say that they're really the externals are how I do it. Yes. The internals are really what's going on yes. of significance, yeah. right? You know, it's very nice that it sounds so exciting, so to speak, that external glory of, wow, you impacted somebody's life. But the truth is I shared something and I cared and that can happen with anybody. It just has a glory in that kind of way, maybe perhaps. And it's differentiating, learning to differentiate between that external glory that seems much more exciting than the real glory of just you contributed to anybody's life by smiling at somebody and building somebody and saying a different type of thank you. And that's happening all the time. And what really loving yourself is all about, because we're going to see it's not just when you're not successful, that's the issue. It's even when you're successful, that's the issue. Because is that, as I said, is that really your glory? Because I could be very successful with a, so to speak, successful with a student, whatever it is, they'll give me credit for it. But really, I didn't put in that much effort. And I was just fortunate that she attributed the power to it. And other times I put much more effort and that person doesn't attribute it that effort. So it's not just about, like failure, not, you know, it's like whether it didn't work, but this is another way it doesn't work, right? There's no direct correlation between necessarily how hard we work and how glorious it ends up looking. I'm That's sure we fascinating. That. That's fascinating because, I mean, like to our human eyes, we see somebody spent several hours studying for a test and they got 100. Well, of course, like it seems obvious. And another person could also have spent that amount of time, maybe even more, even with a tutor and just gotten a 60, you know? And it's, it's, you know, and, 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 you know, sometimes I laugh, I'm about to speak, let's say, give a class, a Shabbos sheer that they said, Oh, you'll do great. What are you worried about? I'm thinking I'll do great. What does that mean? You you're predicting it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Meaning likely I'll be good enough. You know what I mean? But will it be great? I don't know. I've given classes that are spectacular with little effort. I've given classes that are spectacular with a lot of effort. And I've given classes that are not particularly spectacular with a lot of effort. Right. You know, it's almost like it just doesn't work that way. And, and, and it shouldn't, and, and sometimes people expect it to work that way. I don't know why. I guess, you know, practice makes perfect is what people are told. No, absolutely false. 
lot of things we learn are false, like sticks and stones will break my bones and names will never harm me. Oh yeah, sure. Sticks and stones will break my bones and names will harm me even more deeply. Okay, <laughs> that was really the truth, right? So practice makes perfect, no. Practice is what you can do to make better, possibly. Right, because it's really Hashem that controls the outcome. Like that's what it is at the end of the day. That's right. It's so amazing how long that takes us to know it. Hashem, absolute. So love of ourselves. What does it mean to love ourselves? You know, it's like the should love others as much as yourself. Right. Which sounds like you're supposed to love yourself, right? And it sounds like if you don't love yourself, you can't really love others. You might be a people pleaser. You might be up trying to get something from them, but it has to come from a flow because there's enough love in me that it flows because otherwise if I do it, the people pleaser way, I'm going to act so loving so that you think I'm wonderful. I'm really taking something from them. And at the end, it doesn't work. At the end, it really doesn't work. It doesn't really give people what they want. I happen to love Dr. David Lieberman says a great example of what a people pleaser, what he creates, describes how, um, how basically it's like making kiddish. Okay, you make kiddish and what do you do? You give it out to everybody to drink and there's not enough for you to drink. So nobody fulfills the mitzvah of kiddish. It's a very deep idea that wow. when you give and you didn't come from a full place inside, you don't really fulfill the mitzvah. It's a nice attempt, but really we need to fill up inside. People almost don't realize, they think self-esteem is like a separate psychological um, mandate. No, no, it's essentially part of a Torah mandate. A Torah mandate, you need to believe in your worthiness, not better than others, in your worthiness. How could you not be worthy if you're created in the image of God? How could you not be worthy? Because you can make mistakes. God built that into. He said, you're going to make mistakes. Okay. And you can make a lot of mistakes. And I used to tell my students, I make a lot of mistakes. I make mistakes. And then I realized they were thinking like two a year. So I had to go ahead and make, be clearer. No, no, about 25 a day. And that's down from 50. Okay. You know, <laughs> after a lot of hard work, you understand? And I don't mean big mistakes, but still. A little self-absorbed, a little tuned out, a little insensitive, a little not patient. And I don't mean to harp on them. I'm okay with them. That's part of the human condition. And as long as I'm moving. So what does love yourself mean? My daughter kind of said it very well as a little three-year-old. You know, there I was. I was taking her out of the bath and I was hugging her. Sean, I love you so much. And Abba loves you and Bubby loves you. And I went through the names and aunts and uncles and all her siblings at the time. They loved her still. It was two and a half. It got a little more complicated, you know, a little bit later. Later, and then thank God it's back to itself now. But at that time, it was just like, this one loves you and that one loves you. And she kept smiling more and more and more and more and more. And at the end of the experience, she looked at me and she says, and I even love myself. It was like this grand experience of like, I'm what I need to be. Can I become more? Yes, but I have what I need to become what I have to. It's all there. Hashem gave it to me. My, 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 my beautiful parts are not so beautiful parts. Okay. My easy parts, are my, they're all there. 
for me to become who I have to become. Maybe I have to do some polishing, some edging, some whatever I have to do. But that's what it means to love myself, to know, not to be self-absorbed. Most people, I ask groups of people, do you love yourself? They say, sure. Come, mm. Do you mean you're absorbed with yourself? Like when you look at pictures, you go, nice, nice, nice. And then you come to a picture of you and you stare a little bit more because you <laughs> want to see what you look like. Why do you need to see what you look like? Don't you know what you look like? Let's see in this picture. Oh, I look good in this picture. Mm, how can I look like that every day? Maybe I should like move my head in a certain way and then my double chin won't show or whatever it is that they're thinking, right? It's like, what's going on? That's not love. If you're okay, you're okay. I come along with this, this part of me, you know, and maybe I can decide if I really care about that. Maybe I'll put a lot of work into it. Maybe I won't. But, you know, just because I like it, not because I'm not lovable, I'll feel more comfortable. Not because I'm essentially, maybe I'll feel more comfortable if I lose that weight. Not because I'm not worthy if I don't lose that weight. Right. You know, it's like, if I'll be more comfortable and I'll be like, I don't like the addiction to food. Well, that's good reason to do it. Right. But like, just because I... Oh, I don't really like my body unless it's sculpted the way our particular society right now says. And what if you live 20 years, 30 years ago, you could have been 15 pounds more and you would have been okay. <laughs> or maybe 25 pounds more. It depends on whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like different versions of it. So wait, you know, what's this all about? So loving yourself is really the test to see if you love yourself is what? how many times you think, oh, I wish that I didn't have this. I wish that I had more of this. I feel so inadequate because somebody else is more successful. If you're doing that, you don't love yourself. If you look at somebody and say, wow, I love that characteristic. I wonder what about it I can learn given who I am. That's okay. That's a good, that's okay. If I sometimes say, mm, you know, my lovability is not, actually being expressed so much because of this quality I want to like work on it that's okay only if I don't come from a place of like shame and denigration I come from a place of I am lovable and I know I can express it even better and I want to be able to express the value that I have internally and when I make a mistake I don't lose my value like the crumpled up thousand dollar bill I don't lose my value one drop just like the silver that gets Dirty, it doesn't lose one drop of its value, just the light doesn't shine. So I don't feel like I lost my value, just oh, the light is not shining. And what a pity, because I could have the light shine. That would mean loving yourself. I really, really, really love that that metaphor about the silver. You know, sometimes I say to people about diamonds, using a very similar metaphor about diamonds. You know, like in South Africa, they have these big, beautiful diamond mines. And those those miners, they go in and they come up with this, this, this rock. You know, this rock, it's schmutzy, it's dirty. I mean, it's a diamond, but it's nothing that you would put on yourself at all. You would never take this clump and put it on your hand. It's, it's gross, you know? So I always say that we are like diamonds, like our neshama is a diamond because we are part of Hashem. So we are holy and we are worthy just because we're sparks of Hashem, exactly like you were saying before. And, you know, it's schmutzy because life gets schmutzy. You know, we, we live, it's, it's the dirt of life, you know, but every time you do a mitzvah, every time you're kind, even when you're kind to yourself, and maybe even especially when you're kind to yourself, some of the schmutz comes off, the diamond gets buffed a little bit. And the more you do it, the shinier the diamond gets. And, you know, you can cut it and then you'll be proud to wear it. 
earrings, a necklace, a ring, you know, and that's kind of how it works. Right. The value gets expressed externally as opposed to just in theory being there. And, but that feeling that that value is always there doesn't get lost. hundred percent. You know, I can do many things and I'm not losing it. If you read in the Nefesh HaChayim of Rav Chaim Velazhin, he talks about how interconnected Anisham is so attached to Hashem, like in this direct connection, you can't cut off the feet so easily. You know, it's almost like in very wicked people who want to disconnect, not just do something wrong because of a moment's passion or because of pain. That doesn't disconnect it. It has to be an intentional desire to disconnect it that could actually really cut you off from the source. And I don't think we know people like that. For the most part, there exist people like that in, in life and in history, but I don't think we run into them very often. You know, I don't know if at all. Yeah, that yeah. kind of, it's usually, we, we run into it more from a mental health issue where they can't do it. But I don't think, I, I, I'm not aware of it from a, that level of evil. I can't right. assess it in any case. I don't usually come face to face with it in that way. I'm with you. Me neither. Totally. Um, well, you mentioned once in an earlier interview that the first and foremost step to ingraining ourselves with a love and appreciation for ourselves is understanding the differences between the characteristics that we're inborn with, inborn blessings, and those which have been owned through our own internal struggles. So there's a blessing that Hashem gave us. Some people are naturally gifted at art or they're naturally athletic, or, you know, they're naturally good at math. And there are others who have to really, really work hard and struggle in order to gain those attributes of being kind of being patient, of being good in math, for example, you know, and Hashem gave us our natural born talents and abilities. And he also gave us our areas of weakness that we have to work on. So I wanted to see if you can please talk to us about whether or not our innate abilities are always gifts or if sometimes the very things that we are great at are our biggest challenges to overcome. Okay. First, I'd like to really clarify, because I think this is the essence of the concept that I love to talk about that I've named. It's a Torah concept. I've just given it a name, the internal success revolution, that we define ourselves by our internal value and our ability to expand it. And here's the question. This is very confusing. We ask, very often, I ask so many audiences around the country, does everybody excel at something? Yes. Everybody wants to say yes, but it's not such an easy answer. We've been trained to say yes, and it's true ultimately, but we have to, what do we mean by excel and what do we mean by something? Okay. You understand? Does everybody excel? Excel means what? Everybody has an area of, of, of abilities that are better than the other things that they have. Yes. But compared to the world, it might still be very average or below average. True. Right? Yes. So if you're saying everybody has some abilities, their combination of character traits that will be appreciated by other people or to certain abilities with their hands or some way of thinking or writing, or everybody has something that's better than the other things they may not be as good at, right? And the Chovos Halavado speaks about that maybe they could choose to earn money with that characteristic if that can work, because that's something that might be able to do that. But 
And we may feel gifted because of that, right? But again, going with this thinking, does everybody excel, meaning better than most people at something? Something you mean anything or something that our particular culture gets excited about? Meaning if a Hasidish girl is great at basketball, she may excel at something. Is it going to help her self-value? Probably not. <laughs> you may even be wondering how she found out that she's good at it. Okay, yeah. you understand, you know, like one night she couldn't sleep, <laughs> she went outside, I'm, like, you know, I'm making up the whole scenario, right? And she took this orange ball and threw it in like she had seen the non-Jews do it. And she threw it in and she said, whoa, I'm really good at this. I'll stand further away. Whoa, who do I tell now? And what do I do with it? Whereas my Burria students, if they're good at basketball, they get accolades, they could win championships. Yep. So you have to remember to excel at something your particular society values. Remember to do that. It's an interesting concept. Right? Yeah. It's something that I really came to realize is such a, you know, it's like everything that we suffer from comes from a thought in our brain, like the Rambam speaks about in Hilchos Deos and the laws of knowledge. He talks about personal attributes because the beliefs you have cause you to feel a certain way, react a certain way and act a certain way. Okay. In other words, if I have a belief that somebody's taking advantage of me by making me do a job that I wasn't hired for, then I'm very annoyed. If I then find out no, the boss gives you really annoying jobs the first week to see if you're flexible. And if you're flexible, then he raises your salary and doubles it. Oh, thought, this is just a test. Oh, great, I'll do that. Our old feelings, everything we think creates an emotion that creates an action, a reaction, right? Right. So here's the story. If everyone's walking around thinking, oh, Everybody excels at something. What do I excel at? They didn't choose me for this and they didn't choose me for that. And they didn't choose me for that. And nobody included me in that. So I'm not, I don't have the charisma. I don't have the personality. People like are nice to me, but they never actually want to be my best friend. So I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser, but I can do this and I can't do that. And I try to self-promote. That's really burdensome. So exhausting. Mm -hmm. Most of us really excel at nothing other than being our best selves. There's a really big secret that has been kept for too long. I wanna scream it from the rooftops. None of us, for the most part, excel at anything other than being our best selves. That's if so powerful I, though, it's amazing. That's powerful because we were all created to be our best selves. Right, but the problem is we then spend all this time in this world figuring out how we excel in some other area. Wow. If I excelling as a teacher, you know, I'm doing an okay job. So I have some schools that think I'm amazing. And some schools, oh, she's another nice teacher. Now, if I feel another nice teacher, I'm supposed to be excellent. You don't know that I'm wonderful? Hello. I'm, a, I'm one of the top Rebbitons in America. I am. If you didn't start the show, then I wouldn't be the top Rebbiton. You know what I mean? And if she didn't know my name through someone, I never would have been included. Did that mean I was less? <laughs> How come I wasn't included? Hashem decided. <laughs> and it didn't make you top by being chosen. She just came across you and Hashem decided. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, I do. And that's what starts happening. And we get into this bad feelings, bad feelings. We just get into, does everybody excel at something? And then, you know, let's say I, let's say I did have in my relative small circles above average academic abilities. So what if I had a bigger, more intent, if all the top academic abilities were all together, I might not excel. Right. You could keep losing your area of excellence, which is why a lot of times people don't want to take on more challenges because that's very scary. Right, because they may not be able to excel at those challenges. They may fail. And if that wasn't the purpose of life, take on the challenge to stretch yourself and discover new things. But it's so scary. Yeah. I did good enough here. <gasps> Why should I go there? And so, and so people think this internal success is for the losers. It's much more for the winners. I'll tell you why. I shouldn't say it's for both. When I say losers and winners, obviously I'm using a ridiculous cultural expression, but that's how we sometimes look at ourselves and others, yeah. right? Which is really horrific, but that's how we start determining it. Because, so what are your accolades? What are you known for? What do you excel in? You know, that type of thing. I have so many students who are like, I've been trying to figure out what I excel in for 18 years. Oh, I don't think I excel. So the people who are average at it, say, okay, I'll live with it. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. The people who don't feel good about anything, sometimes they are tortured souls unless they change their perspective. And the winners suffer forever. Is that the irony of the situation? Do you see what I mean? Why the winners suffer a lot? Because yes. every time they win, they have to worry about the next yes. win. They yes. get a lot of anxiety. Yes. I, I have students who are so, they have a student in, in Berea High School, they're divided academically in class. You can move to another class if you want, but they generally, they feel like then it just is easier to teach and the girls get more, whatever. We can argue positive, negative about that. But the point is that, so I had a student who like, didn't really do school, whatever, whatever reason she didn't really do school. She was coasting along, you know, bright enough student, like most people, pretty average, you know, like fine, fine enough, but she didn't really do work. And then after school, but she passed. And then after school, she got into a program what was it? It was a, a legal stenography program, you know, court stenographer program. Yes. She was so good at it. She called me up and she said, Mrs. Caseman, I never felt so much pressure in my entire life. Is this is what honor student felt all of high school? I am so glad I wasn't an honor student. This is torture. Because suddenly what happened? <laughs> suddenly, I know I'm being so, you know, so contradictory. Okay. But it was like, like suddenly what happened? It was like, I can't believe this. I'm really good. So I have to be better, but there'll always be better people. Yes. Always. 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 You know, I was working with my friend on, on not being competitive because she had, you know, she was earning a lot more money than me, but we weren't competitive about the money. You know, I was a teacher. She's, you know, I was an executive vice president at, you know, Bankers Trust. So it was a little bit different. Our Can't salaries. <laughs> <laughs> but we were both working on competition. And one day she calls me up. She says, you know, Yael, I'm not competitive. I said, wow, you got rid of it. So I'm not paying attention to what anybody else is being given. Six months later, she calls me up. She says, I'm competitive again. I said, what happened? <laughs> the best person in the office they just hired someone new I'm feeling it again 
right? Because there's always going to be somebody else who can do it better, who's smarter, who's prettier, who's richer, who's thinner, who can That's bake right. better, who, like everything. Who gets more. Yes. Applause. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. So therefore, right, I used to think I was the person they should have chosen to do this. Oh, they didn't choose me. <gasps> so up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Yes. So you understand what's going on. I, I sometimes, you know, think we on some level are like, you know, the dolphins in the dolphin show. Like you did a good, you did a good thing. Did somebody send you a new fish, an accolade. <laughs> We're waiting for our fish. Today, I felt me I was wonderful today. Wait, but you know how? So how can we get off this roller coaster? How can we get up the up and the down and the up and the, like? How can we get off this roller coaster? Right. So what I'm trying to suggest is, does everybody excel at some something? You know, we might be better than average in some things, and then if we're in a di different group, we may not. We have to become more comfortable with the word average because physically, our tools, what we've been given, some are our character traits, some of what I call tools. You know, most of them could be pretty average relative to the society, and some of us are above average. But guess what? They're always going to be people better. And if you're the top at some point, eventually, eventually, they will. It won't be good. Okay, it won't be good. Right? Eventually, you right. you may lose right. it. And you know, like I always tell my students, we're all losers at the end if we're fortunate, because then it means we lived long enough to become losers. Huh. Do you understand what I mean? You know what? If you don't mind explaining that just a little bit more, that would be awesome. Okay. What does it mean we're all losers at the end? Is it likely that we're old age? That we're not, if we get to live to 90 or to 100, we're not going to be as gorgeous and we're not going to be as sharp and we're not going to be at... So if we're lucky, we all get to be losers at the end. So get used to it. Right. My mother was a top, thank God she's living and well, and I get to visit her a lot, a top professional therapist that everybody turned to. Everybody's not turning to her now because her short-term memory is not as good as it used to be. And her sight isn't there anymore. Right. But she's not really a loser on an internal success level. No, for sure not. On an internal success level, she's the great, great woman. When she lost her eyesight at about 89 or 90 due to glaucoma, she said, you know, it was beautiful having it. But, you know, thank God I can hear because I need that much more for relationships than I need sight. So I'm really good. Wow. Is what she said. That's so poignant. That's so, un it's so insightful. You know, that's amazing. She is a very insightful person. She's listening to somebody in my family is going through a medical crisis. She says, I just have to dive in, hold on to Hashem. Her internal successes are going on. Her external successes. She used to have a practice that people were banging down the doors for. Yeah. 40 to 50 clients a week. Amazing. She doesn't have any clients now. She has her children around her. Right. But she is no less constantly being successful. But if we don't define it by internal, say so we better get used to it because we're all losers at the end is what I mean, if we're lucky. Well, which leads me to this question, since we're talking about Hashem. You know what? You know what? I, I just go bad because I didn't finish the answer. Is that okay? Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, go ahead, please. No, because I really didn't explain. So what's the whole thing? We have to differentiate between our gifts and our greatness. 
Yes. Our gifts are what we were given, the parts of us that we really happen to enjoy, right? Yes. People used to compliment me on my daughter's gorgeous auburn hair. That was so smart of me. I waited on the right line in heaven. It was very brilliant. Then I was dumb and I didn't do it for a while. And then my eighth child showed up, but it was a boy. So it was a little bit of a waste. He just got into a lot of trouble in class because he was easy to call out on. You know what I mean? But it was like, okay, I'm sure his wife enjoys it, but it's just <laughs> a little bit of air that he does that, you know? But it's like, but what I mean is, it's like, that's a gift right? It's not yeah. a greatness. It's a right. gift. Right. right. But what do people do? They make they you praise the gift for your gift. Yes. And what are you supposed to say? You say Baruch Hashem. What I really want to say all the time when people praise me for my gifts is I don't say it because it'd be annoying. I say, thank you for reminding me what a gift I have from Hashem. I hope I use it for the development of my internal successes. I never say this to anybody. I'll say it again. Thank you for reminding me what a gift I have from Hashem. I hope I use it for the development of my internal successes, meaning I hope I feel grateful to Hashem more because of it. I feel the love of Hashem more easily because I've been given it. I hope I can use it to access my internal successes. If I'm articulate, then I hope I can use it, not to be sharp mouthed at somebody who I'm annoyed with, but to actually build people. If I have beautiful hair, I hope that people are attracted to me more. I can be more kind to more people, right? If I'm talented in another area, I hope I can use it to go ahead and bring people joy or help out at a stuck up position to create a performance or whatever it is. I hope I can use it I hope I can use it well. I hope I can use it well. And, and that's a gift. My greatness is the degree to which I use anything I've been given, as I say, to develop my internal successes. If I use my intelligence to actually understand Torah more, figure out better ways to go ahead and express myself to people in a way that they, I can help them enhance their life right? Whatever I could do, even my weaknesses. Let's say I'm not naturally so super organized. So I can use that struggle that I have to do to be organized to have more compassion for struggles that other people have. Even my weak tools can be used to develop greatness. That's greatness. And are those gifts sometimes very difficult? As I said, you can get addicted to the gifts and then you're in big trouble. And then it creates anxiety all day. Wow. Right. I love it. I love the way that you hit the nail on the head with that. Like, you know, Hashem gave you gifts so you can use your gifts to better yourself internally. But those are the gifts that he gave to you. Your greatness is the way that you use those gifts in order to better improve your internal success. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And, and you know what? The gifts, the tools that aren't pretty are also gifts. Because that's what I mean. They let you have more compassion, more self-understanding. They help you. If I don't want to define myself by my tool that I don't like, then I'll more easily not define myself by my tool that I like. In other words, if I don't like a piece of my, that, I don't like that, let's say I'm a little bit ADD. Okay. But I can yet, it helps me learn about effort. 
I have to put in much more effort because of those tools. And when I put in more effort, I learn about effort and then I can use that to actually put an effort for internal successes. If I never understood effort for the things I have to struggle with, even just to get by, I wouldn't understand what real effort is. And effort that we put in for our internal successes is our only greatness, is our only greatness, the efforts we put in. That's what it says, according to the effort is the reward. Another thing that most of us, right, talking about all the things we don't believe, we think everybody excels at something. We think if you try hard, you succeed. We think, right? And we think that nobody has average abilities. There's something special you have. Yes, it's the unique combination of who you are, your tools and your essence, that you're the only one who's been created from the beginning of time to the end of time. And that's your uniqueness in your Avodah Hashem. But it's not the way people think it. That you're going to find there's something that stands out in a studded way, in a, you know, in a stardom way. So that's the only thing that makes us great. And I always laugh because most of us don't value effort that much. We don't so value interesting, but you're right. Much. It's true. You're right. And you know what my real proof is? What? We only talk about effort usually to the loser. Right. We make it seem as if it's God's booby prize to the loser. Oh, you tried so hard, you didn't get, you know, according to the effort is the reward. Are you joking? No. <laughs> For the winner, their only greatness is their effort. The other part is their gift. Right. Or their challenge not to get addicted to. Right. So I've said a lot. I hope I, you know, didn't overstate so much because there's a lot here. No, there's there's so much here. There's so much here. But just just put simply, just so I, that I can reiterate for myself and for everybody listening, and just because it's such a powerful point, and it's a point that we don't think about, and it's a point that it's so important. It's like the essence of our of our life, of our daily living. So I really feel like it's important to be said. Um, so I I just want to reiterate. So Hashem gave us our gifts to use them to better ourselves. And he gave us, when I say gifts, he gave us our abilities, our charisma, right. our not charisma, exactly. whatever it is, yes. the whole set yes. of circumstances. Yes, yes. Our life circumstances, the, you know, our financial circumstances, so many things, right? All of it. Oh, yes, exactly. Exactly. But that's not our greatness. Our gifts are not our greatness. What we're given, anything that we're given, if we're given anything, it's not our greatness. It's our gift. But what we do with the gift, that's our greatness. Right, right. Yes. And also, I just really also want to reiterate that we're not in charge of the outcome because you were talking about the winners, the, win the, the, the championship, you know, the basketball tournament winner, you know, they won. OK, yes, they won. Who allowed them to win? Who arranged for them to win? Who made them win? Not them. It was Hashem. Yes, they put in their effort for sure. I'm not taking that away from them. And the effort, yes, the effort for physical things is not their greatness. It's right. their stepping stones to greatness. Yes. Because it then lets them then transfer it. Right. Because it takes mental and emotional skill that sometimes with athletes in particular translates into like a physical prowess, a physical energy. You know, I'm so great at basketball or hockey or gymnastics and it comes out physically, but it's not. It's the mental stamina. It's the emotional stamina. It's everything that went into it on an internal basis that we can see externally. Yes, but it's important that that's the effort you put in for external successes that are not actually 
your essential greatness. Let's say, right. let's say you yes. are not your greatness, that you're stepping stones to greatness because now you know about effort. Now transfer it for your to another area of life. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so we have spoken about external, external successes and how people praise us for our accomplishments, but I want to ask you about what is real success in the eyes of Hashem, like particularly in the eyes of Hashem. Can you please share with us what Hashem really wants from us in terms of our effort and what does he want us to focus on? Okay. So I think we've kind of answered that. And, you know, it's almost like Hashem, the Gemara tells us it's an alam hafuch. It's a backwards world. It's an upside down world. Because it almost has to be that way. Because internal successes are just that. Who knows them? Us, that's it. We know them. And Hashem. And Hashem. Hashem. And if somebody's very close to us, we could do it for our children. We can highlight it if we know them well enough. And we can check in with them. Was that hard for you? Right. Was that hard for you? Not like, great job. Was that hard for you? I love that. I love that. Was that hard for you? Oh, it wasn't? Well, what a gift you got from Hashem. It was hard for you. You should be so proud of your effort. And thank God that God allowed that to turn into this kind of result. It's a whole different language in order to be able to focus the way Hashem wants. He created an external world. Man sees externally and and God sees internally. But we're capable of doing this. It describes that one of the Tanan, when he was given, the Talmudic scholars, was given a vision of the future world. And what was going on? He said, oh my, what a backwards world. There are people down here who are getting no credit, who are getting so much credit up there because they may not have had external successes, but they had so many internal successes. And there are people down here who are getting so much credit and not getting so much credit up there. And I always think that there's an implication that of course there's another category of people who are getting so much praise down here for their external successes. And they also are getting praise up there for their internal successes, but totally different abilities. Like people praise me, like, for example, if I give a great class, you're such an amazing speaker. Obviously, I put an effort to both preparation and doing it. But I will tell you that for me, being patient is much harder. I get that. Much, much harder. Yes. That is relatively easy. And it's a natural flow. The other is like, ah, I work so much harder. I have students that it's so easy for me to teach. I'll get some reward. And then their teacher, students, that I had to work through my love of human beings because I wasn't drawn to them. And I had to work through to really feel drawn to them, not just peripherally and politely be drawn to them, act polite, to really deeply care about them. I am not an easy, you know, you read about Rabbi Trank, an incredible Ohavius Yes. I don't have that natural characteristic. I have to work hard every step of it. I, I like people, but I like the people I was drawn to. Right. I like everybody. <sighs> slowly, 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 slowly. My first student who I felt not drawn to, I said, I am not teacher. I'm not a good teacher to this, to this girl. I don't love her. I'm thinking like, wouldn't it be nice if she like, had a brother's wedding in England and left for six weeks. I don't want to be thinking that, okay? I want to be enjoying 
her see and loving her. And I had to work that through very hard. That is so hard because I completely identify that. I, I could read, and I think other people do too. You know, you have people in, in your life and you go to them, but sometimes you're in a situation. It could be a family member even. And you can't just walk away from a family member that you don't like. Maybe you're even living in the same house with them. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it I always you, tell my students, you, know? you want to learn to see the value in everybody because otherwise yes. the people you don't like will show up yes. as a child. Yes. You'll love them, but you won't like them unless yes. you really work on it. Yes. Or your mother-in-law. So be careful. <laughs> you might as well go ahead and work on it. Yes. You know, and this happens all the time. So my this upside down world, I'll give you an example. I always tell my students this. It's like I gave a class. I gave a class to a group of girls. They were ecstatic about it. Praise galore. It was a great external success. Oh, that was the best class of high school, Mrs. Caseman. I'm thinking, mm, probably not, but okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I'm not down on myself, but I don't think it's funny. I, you don't even remember much of what you learned right now, but I'm glad you liked it. It's thrilling. Thank you, Hashem. I love the feeling. I walk into the next class. They said, we're in a parallel class, Mrs. Caseman. We are so excited. We heard we're going to have the best class of high school. I looked at them and I said, girls, I don't know how to break this to you. I gave the class last week. Oh my God. I said, what did you say? I said, I said a lot of things that I thought were fascinating, exciting pieces of Torah. You weren't present. And I watched it fall to the floor. Like it went from my, <sighs> I tried to do a dance. I tried to create some excitement, tell a story, call out a gal, da, 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 I couldn't wake you up. They said, give it again. Could you give the class again? I said, you know, I said, and, you know, before that, I, I told the class, you know what? But it's okay. This happens to me a lot. Yeah, El, you just had an external failure, but you could turn it into a major internal success. You could continue to know, be proud of yourself for trying really hard because that's all you could do. You didn't control the results. And you can go ahead and continue to love your students and not judge them or blame them because you're not, weren't able to get the results you wanted. So that's okay. I had an external failure, but I had a beautiful internal success. I say this to my students often so they get used to the language. Oh, girls, today I had an external success and an internal success. I hope, I hope I'm not becoming arrogant from it. I hope I'm not defining myself by it. But I'll often say I had an external failure because you're all studying for the test that you were going to take next period while you were pretending to listen to me. Okay. But I had a major internal success because I understand you and I love you and I have compassion for you, for the schedule you have. So when you keep black, that's what Hashem wants from us. What happened today? You burnt the soup. <laughs> uh, my bad. Okay. Learn from it. Is there something you could learn? But can you be proud of yourself that you tried? And maybe there wasn't anything you could learn. You got a call to an important phone call and you walked out of the room for three minutes and the split pea at the bottom got burned and it smelled up the whole thing. You're not bad. Oh, well, another example of not in control. And then you have an internal success because you remember that. So your external success turns in, your external failure turns into an internal success. That's what Hashem wants from us. Look at it the way he's going to look at it. After 120 years, you're not going with any of your 
charisma or lack of charisma. You're not going with your math, math skills or your gymnast skills or your incredible, gracious way you set a table. You're going with one thing. The development you have had in terms of polishing and owning the beauty of the neshama and shining up. That's all you're going with. That's all you're going with. And that's what Hashem wants us to keep remembering every day. Enjoy the gifts he gives us. And then you may even pursue gifts because you like them. That's okay. Hashem doesn't mind if you pursue having the gifts that you like. And then use them to actually become who you're supposed to become. I love it. Wow. It's so, it's so poignant and so right on the head. And it's so what life is all about. I love it. I love it. Um, we have like literally just a few more minutes, but I want to ask you one last question, you know, because I would love to leave our listeners with some hizzuk, some strength to believe in themselves and in their efforts and to know that it's really Hashem who is in charge of all the outcomes. And my favorite way to do that is through a personal story. So can you please share with us a story either from your life or from the life of somebody that you know who has learned to really cultivate their sense of self-worth internally instead of externally, regardless of the outcome, which is out of our control anyway? Right. So I have shared quite a few personal stories of what I do. I will tell you what I really ask people to do. And that's what I did. I decided that external successes make so much noise. They're so much more exciting. Yes. And I decided I have to make more noise for internal successes. So I actually decided that I have to have a chavrusa for internal success. And even though it's internal, I'm going to share it with them. Like I was doing with my friend about jealousy. And I said, we're going to, I want to celebrate today that today. You know, I stopped myself from continuing with Lashon Hara. I spoke a little bit, but much less than usual. So she celebrates with me. I find that sharing my internal successes for a few years, let me become so thinking that way, I have to rewire my brain. I walk into my classes where I teach this too. I say, okay, girls, internal successes, write it down. I'm going to read them. I want you to, uh, I was a little more patient. I was a little less frustrated in this situation. You have them all day. Sometimes at the beginning, the beginning used to ask them, any internal successes today? No, I don't have any internal successes. I said, not possible. You're having internal successes all the time. You're not noticing them. I want you to become more conscious of them. You tried to have Kavana when you were davening. You didn't succeed completely. Internal success doesn't mean complete. If you're a little more frequently doing something positive, if a little more intensely or for a little longer time, any one of them, not all of them, frequently, intensity and time, any of them, you're having an internal success. And you know what's great about internal success? It's such an amazing thing. I basically like a rule about it. You know what's great about internal successes? What's great about internal successes is it's the only reality over which we have complete control. And external successes can be overturned at any time internal successes are yours forever. If you were patient one moment, you've created glory for yourself. You're impatient, you're going to have to clean it up, but it never wipes it out. External failure can wipe out years of external success, like the stock market or the real estate market in a moment and everywhere else or old age, right? It could just wipe it out. Internal successes never go away. And when you go ahead and you just keep noticing it, noticing it, you get, you're going to notice. And this is my very important point that 
if you learn to laugh about external successes, you love it and laugh it. I love, I love external successes. They're enjoyable. Yeah. They're even better. They're even better than ice cream. They're great. Okay. I love them, but I laugh at them that they're not my self-definition. When you can do that, then eventually you can laugh about your external failures, that they're also not your self-definition. Right. The external successes are not your self-definition and also the external failures are not your self-definition. That's right. And the internal failures you can overcome because you can always do tshuva. So you're in great shape. And when you measure by this, you say, hmm, not only are you living a life of truth, you're going to be much happier. Hit the nail right on the head. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just, one thing I just want to say. Please. My daughter wrote up this idea in a, some, in a more sophisticated way. You know, she wrote this whole idea up with a lot of other parts, compliments, mm-hmm. criticisms, how we get lots of other pieces to it mm-hmm. in a book that she hasn't decided on the name, but it will come out on Amazon in, in um, September. Her name is Shona, Shana Schwartz, S-H-O-N-A Schwartz. If anybody wants to look it up on Amazon. Um, It should be coming out in September. She has a earlier version of it called the internal success revolution, but she is updating it. So um, just something that people feel like they want to take this idea further and it shows lots of ways of integration and their journals in it to work through the process. If that's helpful, she's, she's, we we all live by it in our family. So she's taken this and decided to write it because she knew her mother would never do that because it wasn't something that her mother was so, so she found so easy to do. And um, so it was her external success taking and hopefully internal success and in integrating it. That's beautiful. I'm so glad that she did that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. And thank you also for joining us on America's Top Robots. And we loved having you here and we learned so much. May all the learning that we did today be for Rafua Shalema, for Eliezer Raphael Le Benamuna, and also for Sarah Bet Bat Roos. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vera. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you.